Happy 10th anniversary. It is still anniversarying now. We are in this place and we have decided that for this year, we are going to try and focus on this thing because it's not just a moment that's about our history, which is fantastic and beautiful. And we love to remember. Remember? We remember, we reevaluate, and we refocus. It's checkpoint. We remember what God has done. And it has been fantastic. It's been delightful to go back and see the photos, right? To see people. They go, oh my goodness, I remember before she had to move to Vancouver. And we see people that we can remember. We see events that we maybe were part of. And we, we can remember and reflect on what God has done in other people, but also in us. We can see those things and we can be, well, we, we can be delighted by them. It, it, it's nice to have a pleasant memory. But the focus that we really want is to say 10 years of God choosing to be involved with us. Imagine what's coming. If we had that 10 years, and if those 10 years are significant and important, which I believe they absolutely are, imagine what's next. Imagine for the future. Imagine the steps that we started with growing into something larger and bigger. That's well, that's what the excitement for me is of celebrating 10 years. It's great to think about the people and the memories and the stories. I love them. But I get excited about what is to come as well. And so that's why we're going to keep focusing on those 10th anniversary uh, ideas. And that's why we're going to use this 10th anniversary challenge card. You remember this? You got this inside your uh, bag of celebration. When we got that, it was right before Easter, and we were counting down. It was partially for Easter, but partially for now. This card, well, this is what Terry keeps referring to when he talks about those challenges. Now, we have these challenges, and we double-sided it. There are 10. And we already said, you don't have to do them all, and you don't have to do them to the same degree as somebody else. We just want you to take a next step. Because the next step is not, well, it's not really about me at all. It's, it's about you. It's about you and your connection to God. And we want your connection to God to grow. We want your faith to expand. We want your trust to become that much more solid so that when the world continues to go sh uh, shadowy and gray, you can say, my trust is secure. That doesn't impact how I trust. I know I don't know what it looks like anymore, and I know it's not the same, but I know that my God has never changed that he will never fail me and he will never leave me. And we want that trust for you to grow. And we, we, we use these challenges as next steps in pursuit of, okay? So if you have your card, and I'm sure you've got them all with you right now, but if you, if, if you do, I'm going to give you some of the numbers so you can check this stuff out. So one of the things that was big, it's number eight. Where's number eight here? Acts of Sacrifice. Oh, that's a challenge for this year, right? To intentionally, on purpose, do something sacrificial. That's important. Just put a, little, put a little mark right there. Acts of sacrifice. Next one, number one, memorize scripture. Okay, memorizing, maybe that's not your biggest thing. Maybe you think that's a little bit challenging for me. I don't know if I can do that. I could only do that if I was a, a, an eight-year-old in Sunday school when they still memorize scripture. Uh, Thumbs up for all you eight-year-olds in Sunday school who are memorizing scripture. It's the sort of thing that once you learn it, it never goes away. I know verses that are in my head that I learned when I was young. 
They didn't go away. I, I had some trouble with recall for a while, but what I find is amazing how they pop up in other places that I didn't expect. And I go, I do remember that. It's there. And I feel familiar with it. It's not somebody else's dusty old religion. It's my living faith. And I want that for you. Memorize scripture. So we have put together some verses. They're not the right ones. They're just ones that have been part of the story of Into One. And we've got them posted on our website. These are verses that if you memorize, they will help you as you reflect on the things that we talk about here regularly. So the first one was what? Number eight is acts of sacrifice. And then number one, memorize scripture. Number five, if you can look at your card again, that's on the front side, acts of kindness. Now this is, this is a monstrous one. And the reason I'm pulling these three out is because I want to weave them together for you into a tapestry. We're going to make a beautiful tapestry today, and it's going to be part of your life. You're going to see how these things fit together. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a season that you may, either you or someone you know, has experienced ongoing anxiety. Tensions that come up out of nowhere. They can have a physical kind of nature about them. They can make your hands quiver. They can make your eyes tear. They can make you feel confused and afraid and, and, and locked in spot. Everything is a problem, but nothing is really the problem. Anxiety, it has been growing in this last year for sure. There is a sense that as we are not active in the same way that we normally have been, and I don't mean uh, jogging, I mean doing the things the way we normally did them, pursuing life socially and, and, and work-wise, those things have changed. It allows us to sense that change as turmoil. And that turmoil is the antithesis. It's against peace. And, and when, when you sense it around you, you might, you might feel like you need to be involved, that, that you need to be part of the turmoil. The, the, the peace that is not around you is the not around you that you live in, an anxiety, that turmoil, not experiencing the peace of God. This is not about a condemnation. This is about a recognition of where we really are. I'm not indicating in any way that I don't go through these things as well. It is a challenge. And we continue to be challenged. And seeing it as a challenge means that it can be met. That it can be faced. I don't have to just live in it. Oh, well, I've got nothing to do about it. So there's anxiety, there's turmoil. And that turmoil feels internationally, even, as strife. Strife is such a good word because it means so much more. Today's a vocabulary day. We're talking about vocabulary. We're going to expand this so when you write something down, you're going to have better words to use it. This feeling that's out there. Maybe you would call it the ongoing blah. Maybe not such a good word, but I think it, it works wonders in describing how I feel sometimes. Blah. Anybody out there had any days in the last little while where you got the blah? Blah. You know, like I just don't know. Well, I think that there is a better word that we can use that is much more significant to understand where we are. That blah that you're feeling 
What if we called it languishing? It's a word that you've probably heard at some point, but you don't really think about what it means. Languishing. That might just be the dominant emotion or experience of 2020 and so far 2021. Languishing. It, it, let me describe it like this. There's, there's some part of it that there's a difficulty in concentrating. You, you have periods, but they're broken now. You, you lose your train of thought. You, you recognize that your schedules are broken. They're not what they, they used to be. And, and some of you, that means later nights, and, and that also means later mornings. It's, it's not burnout, but you still say, man, there's this lack of energy. I, I'm, I'm not fully deprived of energy, but I just don't have my normal get up and go. It's not depression. It's not that bad. I don't feel hopeless, but I'm somewhat joyless. I'm somewhat aimless. I'm not sure. Languishing is what we're describing. Does this describe you? Is, is this where you are living right now? It's a sense of stagnation. Um, it's a sense of emptiness. It, there's, there's a sense that some days you just got to kind of muscle through to get to the end of the day. I just got to hang on just a, just a couple more hours and then I can go to bed. Then I can rest in some way. It, it, it's a sense of looking ahead and yeah, you can see what's ahead of you, but you're also getting that, uh, I'm looking at life through a foggy windshield. It's not clear like it used to be. And I, and I'm, I, gotta, I gotta look harder to see where I'm going. I've gotta look harder to make out the details. It's muddy, it's foggy. I don't have the same clarity that I once had. I, I don't have COVID, but, the, but, there are, but there are some of these symptoms that are also almost pandemic. As we deal with things over the long haul, we sense these things rising in us. And I'm guessing that if it's not you, you know somebody who is experiencing this. It's not necessarily an always on, but it's an increased amount languishing. Languishing is the void between depression and flourishing. It's somewhere in the middle. It's not full-blown mental illness, but it certainly doesn't describe mental health either. We are not flourishing. This is the world that we're experiencing. We're functioning. Sure, we're functioning, but we're not functioning at full capacity. I don't know what my percent meter is at, but it doesn't make it to 100 all that much. It dulls your motivation. It disrupts your ability to focus. Are, are any of these things making sense to you? Do you sense them in yourself right now? Do you sense them in people around you? Do you know what languishing does? It triples the odds that you'll cut back on work, that you'll, you'll slow down on things. You won't, I, I don't need to work that far. I don't, I don't need to go that much. It's much, much, much more common than major depression, which has become almost a plague in our culture. But it's much more common than that. And in some ways, 
when you consider the vast number of people that this impacts, it is a bigger, it is a larger risk factor for mental illness. This is where we are living. It's the dulling of delight. It's the dwindling of drive. The increased close enough. That's as far as I'm going for now. You can even grow as you identify this to become indifferent to your growing indifference. And what we're experiencing in this, this languishing, is grief. As we sense what we have lost, as we sense what we don't have, we are in this process, but naming things sometimes helps us to process things. Most of you have heard about grief. It's not a rare concept. Some of you have had to experience grief or deep grief. But we know that when you experience grief, you, there are phases, there are stages. And in my experience, grief quite often works like a whirlwind. You don't get a stage, then you move progressively through. You hit a stage, and then you zip around and you hit another one, and tomorrow you hit a different one, and then you go back to the first one. But these are things that we experience that sort of come upon us to be dominant. Things like, well, you, you might see these in yourself as you're thinking about languishing, you're thinking, uh, you're watching for your friends, your family, the people at work as well, the society as a whole, that we are in shock, we are in denial about where we are, and so there's pain and there's anger, uh, there, there's guilt, and there's, there's bargaining, there, there's uh, the, the onset of depression, and, 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 then, and then hopefully you, you also get towards the upward turn this is part of the stages of grief, the upward turn, and then reconstruction and working through acceptance and hope. And, and I want to help you work from where we are, not denying where we are, help us move in a positive direction. One of the best things, one of the antidotes that you can take, it's non-prescription, you can get it wherever you are, one of the best antidotes to languishing is flow. I just, I just need to, to, to start, move through, and arrive at. I, I, I got to get my groove back. I've got to have flow. And so part of the flow is actively engaging. And so we talk about that at Into One all the time. Before there was a pandemic, we told you that engaging is the way to connect with God. It's not about just watching. It's about living. Sunday or the service that we have is not, a, is not spirituality. It's a moment. And that moment is supposed to help empower you for the living. But the living is the real spirituality. It's not some special spiritual moment. Although the spiritual moment is part of living. Actively engage and be involved. So what I want to I lay out for you is a strategy to fight. All right? We, we've identified part of the enemy that's in front of us. We'll just use the quick way to describe it as languishing. We've got to fight this to get back to the life that we want. And the amazing thing is, it applied long before there was a pandemic, long before there were isolation orders or staying at home or the threat of significant illness and maybe even death. These things were true then, and they describe the way that we are made. So 
This strategy to fight, the reason I brought up this card is it's incredible. This is the way spirituality works in so many places. We have these challenges on here. And the three that I, I picked out for you, memorizing scripture, acts of sacrifice, and kindness, this can be a way to fight. And so I want to teach you something spiritually so that you don't have to be dependent on someone else. This is something you can do, always better in community, but you can do by yourself. Another way of saying, I'm going to memorize scripture, I'm going to be about acts of sacrifice, I'm going to commit to kindness. Another way of saying that is, I'm going to be on mission. Now, have we ever talked about that here before? Sure. But sometimes it's easy to say the word mission is a great idea, but I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like, and I don't know how I can do it. So I want to help you with that. I want to give you clarity on what that mission can look like for you in regardless of your circumstances. So the first thing that we can find out as we participate in these things um, is that they are going to strengthen your relationships. And here's the beautiful thing. I'm going to give you a litmus test. You want to know how your life is going and where you're going. Can I, can, I, can I track spiritual progress in any way? Relationships are key. God is relational to us. He's relational within the Trinity. We are to be relational to people around us. That is what it's all about. So strengthening our relationships is absolutely key. The test for you is, has my behavior, the way that I'm acting, the way that I'm living, is it moving me in towards better relationships, deeper relationships, more honest, more authentic, more caring? Or is it pulling me back? Less of that. Less authenticity. I've got to protect. Less vulnerability. Don't want them knowing that. I've got, to, I've got to hedge the way I answer those questions. And further, it moves you towards isolation. Sin always isolates. And I'm not saying that you're being sinful. I'm, I'm even describing it as the effect of sin around you moves you into isolation. Proximity to God, pursuit of God, focus on God will move you into relationships better, deeper, stronger. The effects of sin around you, whether it's your own sin or sin that exists in your presence, moves you towards isolation. I don't want you to know. I don't want you to see. I don't want to talk about that right now. Please close the door. Just go. One of the ways that we fight that, one of the verses that has been key to, uh, into one's history from the very beginning is Matthew chapter 5, 16. So if you want a verse that you can memorize, that you I don't know, dare I say should memorize, even though, you know, I don't like to should all over you. I just find that this one's very helpful in reframing. Matthew 5, 16. So we're strengthening our relationships. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It clarifies what we're about. Good deeds are things that we can be active in, right? They can be acts of sacrifice. And they can be a focus on kindness. If I don't know really what I want to do, I don't know how to change it, I can look for something kind. Kind is going to involve someone else. I am now focusing on relationships beyond me. What could I do that would be kind? In the same way, let your light shine. This is your presence. And understand that languishing could sometimes be described as darkness. It is the darkness that's around us. Let your light shine 
before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Number two, it strengthens your mind. We live and battle so much in our minds. So we'd like the idea if, it was, if there was a villain that we could see that we could focus our attention on and say, there's the bad guy. I, I, I don't want to be around the bad guy. And if I'm not around the bad guy, things are going to be okay. In fact, I don't even have to walk near the bad guy. I'll just always go over here and then I'll avoid the bad guy altogether. But that's not the way that it works. This battle exists so much in your mind. The battle is fought, won, lost in your mind, and then it comes out in what your hands do, what your mouth says, where your eyes look, where your feet go. The battle starts in the mind, and so this pursuit of memorizing Scripture and acts of sacrifice and choosing to be intentionally kind, it strengthens your mind as well. This is another one of the key verses that we have used it into one throughout history, and I love this one. It comes back to me all the time. It's like a, a prayer that I'm constantly praying for myself. Romans 12 Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, made new by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And don't you want to know? Like, why live all, all day long and have no idea what God, God's will is? How will I ever find success? How will I ever find freedom? How will I ever find peace? How will I ever find joy if I have no idea what the will of God is? It's the will of God is not just, I want you to do something and go somewhere. It's the way that I want you to experience life. In the presence of the will of God, I find my greatest achievement. I find my greatest success. I find the greatest essence of who I'm supposed to be coming to life. So I can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, which moves me again in being transformed by the renewing of my mind. That scripture that you are memorizing, putting it in your head helps to transform your mind. It, it helps you to cast aside things that are pulling you down and to pick up things that strengthen and empower you. Number three, strengthens your spirit. We, we, we're not just physical beings. We exist in, in a way that impacts the spiritual world. We have a spirit, and we are involved in the spiritual world. It's not something that happens periodically. It is an always-on kind of function. We just don't always sense it. We don't always recognize it. <coughs> Strengthen your spirit. And here is one of the, the, the great indicators. How do I know if my spirit is being strengthened? How will I know if I'm growing in faith? How will I know if my proximity to God is making a difference? How do I know if my mind is being transformed? How do I know? Here's a test that you can take. This test is also sometimes better taken by someone who knows you well. Galatians 5.22. It doesn't sound like a test, but this is the test. But the fruit of the Spirit, that means the things that grow from the presence of the Spirit, what, it, what, what are they? What does it look like? And it, it's important, you know, just biblical scholar language, it says the fruit of the Spirit. So frequently, when I hear people talk about this, they throw an S right on the end there, and they say the fruits 
of the Spirit? It doesn't work like that. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and, and it continues. Like, and there, there's more, but if you focus on those things, this is not really about you um, squishing your hands together and trying really hard. Oh, I'm going to have some love today. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is what just grows naturally. It just comes out. As my mind is being transformed by the, my mind is being renewed, these things will start to grow in me. They will start to blossom. They will start to be noticed by other people. And as they are noticed by other people, I might start to notice them as well. How will I know if I'm connecting with God? How will I know if I'm being transformed? I will start to discover, to see in increasing measure. And this scale doesn't work so well on a week. Sorry. This scale works much better on a year. Because it's, it's not about a high point and a low point, it's about the average. What direction am I moving? It doesn't mean that you don't ever stumble and fall. Of course we do. We all do. I do it 93,000 times a day. The point is the direction that you're going. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. Kindness was one of the ones that I wanted to hit on. Because kindness is something that grows inside you. I just feel like I should. But it's also something that you can choose. And choosing kindness helps. The desire to choose it helps. You know what else helps? Honesty before God. We're in this languishing state. And part of, of our natural desire is to protect and to cover, to not, re not remain authentic, to not appear vulnerable. And so we protect ourselves. And in doing that, we start a little bit of a lie, and a little bit of a lie that helps to pull us out of relationship, because pursue relationship openness, reject uh, relationship moves to isolation. I, I move to being alone. So this honesty before God is a first step. Just tell the truth. He already knows the truth anyways, but it's so hard still to tell him the truth about where I am. Um, author Henri Nouwen, uh, he, he wrote this. It's, it's beautiful. I think we have the, the quote. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you so you can see it as well. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to magically ask for it to go up on the screen. Our inclination is to show our Lord only what we feel comfortable with. The same thing that we want to show other people. But the more that we dare to reveal our whole trembling self to Him, the more we are able to sense that His love which is perfect love, casts out all of our fears. And it seems to not make sense, right? Because I protect and then I'm strong. If I protect, I am cared for, I am shielded. But that openness before God actually allows the thing that I feel like I have to shield myself from, what I'm afraid of, it allows the fear itself to be removed. I don't need to protect myself so much from that fear because the fear itself is removed as I experience the perfect love of the Father. That comes increasingly through our honesty. So God knows our wiring. He, he knows what's good for us. It, it is good for us to follow Jesus. He, he, he knows that that's the way we're wired. It's not a matter of a system of belief. It's a matter of reality. 
to, to grow increasingly in our trust for the leading of the Holy Spirit. So it's good to follow for a couple of reasons. It's good to follow because it's obedience. And obedience is our way forward. We are to increasingly, in growing measure, obey God. And when you, when you hear this first, there's normally a lot of bass. And that word is, is turned up really loud. It's obey, right? It's a wagon finger. It's someone making your will subject to theirs, and we fight against it. I'll obey when it's convenient. I'll obey when I like it. I'll obey when I want to. And this transformation that happens, that renews our mind, enables us to obey. And it's good to obey because what God is asking us to do you don't have to go and search for his underlying motive. When he says obey, he's not trying to get you. He's not trying to steal your bank PIN card, your PIN number, right? He's, he's offering you the best way to experience life. The trust, the trust which is the next part, it's good to trust. Because when we obey, then we, we, we trust in there and we understand that God's giving us what we really want the best for us. It's not the thing that we say that we most want, but it's what is best for us that will be the best for us, that we will grow to wanting as our mind is constantly being renewed, transformed, casting off the lies that we feel around us so regularly that bring about languishing. It's good to obey. It's good to follow for trust. It's also good to follow because then it brings the kingdom of God. When we live in obedience, when we live in trust and we manifest, we give it out, we share it around, as we act with kindness, let's just say that's our application, as we act with kindness, we are bringing the kingdom of God to life. So when Jesus was here and he was talking with his disciples, he had to teach them too because they didn't get it. As you live this, it becomes true. There is no point where you have a magic staff that you get to pound on the ground and the kingdom appears. That's not the way it works. The kingdom appears as we submit, as we have our minds transformed, renewed. We live in obedience. We grow in trust. We act that out to those around us. We grow in quality and depth of relationship, and we bring the kingdom of God into visibility so that people who, who have no idea what this craziness you're talking about is can start to see it. I don't know about your Bible. That sounds weird. But I see the way that you treat other people. And I kind of like that. I wish that I was more like that. We bring the kingdom to life. And as we are living in that kingdom, we focus on improving the four key relationships. You remember the four key relationships? It's relationship to God, relationship to others, relationship to ourself, and relationship to creation. All these things bring about quality of relationship. It's relationship in all these things. It's not just ever about just me. Memorizing scripture, acts of sacrifice, and the last one that I forgot. <laughs> what was the last one? kindness. Jeez, it was the whole point of the thing. 
kindness. We start to live these things out and that reality becomes ours. And I have to say, when you think of the languishing and all the half battery feeling that it is, is that what you really want? The gift that we have been given during this pandemic is to experience what we were already experienced but magnified. The languishing that we are feeling now is just highlighted of what we were experiencing before. The freedom from it comes through that pursuit of Jesus. It comes through being on mission. What does mission look like for you? Well, this week, it can look like memorizing scripture, acts of sacrifice, and kindness. And if you wanted a prayer that you could pray, one specific prayer that you could pray, doesn't that sound like a good thing to pray for that would be easy to identify this week? Free me from the spirit of languishing and bring me into the spirit of life, of light, of peace, kindness, patience, goodness. Wouldn't you rather be in that? You can choose. Your choices make a difference. And in this area, it is so dependent on your choices. It starts with the transforming of your mind, but it can start, you can get a kickstart by just choosing an act of kindness. I, I, I just want to think about somebody else. What would they really like? How can I make that happen? Let me follow along as I have to take the steps to make it happen. Let's just say it's baking cookies. All the way along baking cookies, I'm thinking about how I'm going to make this person feel good. That's my goal. That's my intent. And I can throw a prayer in the middle of that. God, thank you for the opportunity to help them. Thank you for the way that that might just help me. Be at work in my life. Be at work in their life. Thank you so much. Let's take these cookies and go. Spirituality lived out. I mean, that's not the only way, but it's a start. This whole thing, this whole thing is an expression, a reminder of the communion that we have with God, that we are in earnest pursuit of Jesus. We are asking God that he would make his will known to us, that we'd be able to follow his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And as we are in that desire, that's a perfect place for communion, where we say, what you said is what I want. The life that you describe is the one that I want. So if you've got your communion stuff, pull it out now. Get that stuff out. And let's remind ourselves, this is what uh, Paul said to the Corinthian church. He was describing what the whole uh, faith, the pursuit of God looks like, feels like. So we start in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Now, you probably don't have one of these things at home, but that's what I have here. So take that bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, take your bread. Thank you, Jesus for the bread of life, which is you. Thank you for the gift that you made, the offering that you gave to us that we might live as we've never yet imagined. And our path to freedom is through you. You are light, you are life. 
You promise us everlasting life, a special connection to God that on our own we are unable to get to, regardless of how good we might be. Without you, we just won't experience this. So thank you for what this cost you. Thank you for deciding that that I was going to be worth it, that my friends that are listening and watching would be worth it. We take what you have offered us and we say, I want the light of life in me. I want to push down that spirit of languishing and input the spirit of Christ into me. So I submit to you. I will obey. I will trust. I will bring the kingdom to life around me as best as I can. Help me do that this week. Jesus, I choose you. And you take the bread. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I can't open it. <laughs> For whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the point of Proclaiming the Lord's death is that we let people know there's good news. There's hope. So we take the cup. And we look forward to that future where we get to live this out again and saying thank you for the offering, the power to transform our minds. Thank you for the gift that you have given. Thank you for the presence of your spirit which draws out its fruit, that peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All those things being drawn out as we are in earnest pursuit of him. And so again we say, that's well, if you can say that's what I want. That's what I choose. I choose to put that in me. I choose life over languishing. And through that symbol that many of you have heard, seen, participated in hundreds of times, it is new once again. This choice that we make to submit ourselves, to follow Christ, to ask that he would be the Lord of our life, that means that we follow what he directs. And in doing that, we find freedom. Freedom to obey, to grow in our trust, and to bring that kingdom to life all around us. Thank you, Into One, for journeying with me. Thanks for helping me as I pursue Christ. And I hope that in some way, I can help you do the same. We go forward together in earnest pursuit of Jesus.